0: It's not the camera, but the person behind the camera, or so the saying goes. Now let's look at this from a different perspective. Today, everyone is a photographer because all of us have smartphones that take decent photos. Today, we can slap an Instagram filter on any mediocre photo and suddenly it becomes artistic. Today, we can take a 4K video and extract good quality stills that can be blown up to large format prints. On this episode, we'll be catching up and chatting to one of the people behind the camera, who just also happens to be a regular contributor to the startup scene. My name is Jared Doyle, and this is the Fractal Podcast, where we help startup founders like you with their marketing efforts for their business. Hi, and welcome to the episode. This week I'm joined by Hugh Whitehouse, who if you've done anything in the Brisbane startup ecosystem, you will have seen one of Hugh's videos because he's always the man behind the camera. At every event and behind almost every startup that I've ever met. So Hugh, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for taking the time to share some of your wisdom this time verbally or via audio rather than visually.
1: <laughs> My pleasure, Jer. My pleasure.
0: So Hugh's company, we were just discussing, we were discussing a name and I've realized I've been I was pronouncing it as uh Les Trade, <laughs> but it's actually Lestrade and Classic that's because big startup I'm, problem.
1: Have a name that people can pronounce.
0: You just sort of go, yeah, it's like branding one oh one, but you know, no one gets it right. So no, that's absolutely fine. But that's that's the brand. But we would just say before we started, the brand really doesn't matter because actually Hugh's name is the one that everyone knows. And if you're in the space and someone posts something on Twitter or LinkedIn and they say, we need someone to come in and film something for our startup, you can guarantee within five minutes, someone's going to go, you need to speak to Hugh. So we're lucky to have him here because he's got a plethora of experience, obviously, both in terms of behind the lens, but more importantly, for the people who listen to this podcast, it's around founders and startups. Mm. So look, I mean, corporate videos, that's great. I can see sometimes this is done because it needs to be done, but startups have got limited money. They've got limited time. So What is it, what's the brief that a founder often comes to you with when they're saying we need a video? What are they trying to achieve?
1: (laughs) Big assumption that founders are creating briefs. It's often Uh. just that. It's often just that we need a video for something Uh, or it's we're doing an event. Can you? So a lot of the video work we do especially around the startup space, especially when we're working. So we work with multiple stakeholders, whether they be accelerators, whether they be organizations behind various startups, whether they be investor side, all sorts of stuff, right? But when we're actually one-on-one or one-on-group with founders and they sort of say, look, we need a video because we're, we've done something. And I'll use IncoDocs as a great example, right? So IncoDocs, they got investment from Maersk, they had some extra investment, I think, put in by transition level. They were just kicking goals and they're a great little crew. And they came to us and said, look, we need a video to sort of explain what we actually do because all the rest of the stuff in our general marketing is all, you know, sort of it's further down the line, further down a conversation of what you'd expect. It's not the jumping off point, like this is your introduction. And so we got together, we made them beautiful little intro video, got the whole team together. We shot it part of it in the precinct, part of it out of the Port of Brisbane. And all this stuff and so that's the piece that for no someone's never heard of them before and someone at Maersk says oh look we have this crew of guys in Australia that have got this product incodox that's what we're using and someone goes well who the hell is incodox and what do they do the video we created answers that question it's the first date it's the introduction it demonstrates it visually verbally with some graphics And it's got a nice polished feel to it. So they're like, okay, so yeah, they're a a company. You know, you sort of say like corporate has money, startup doesn't. But there is a bit of a difference there. A lot of the time we find that the startup stuff, depending on what the idea is or depending on what the executable is, startups want to push into that sort of mid-corporate space. Because the idea of a startup is it should be bigger than just you and your mates doing the thing we are a business. You can acquire customers. You can go global from day one. So you need, there's a sort of baseline in the sand that you can draw and you sort of say, we need our assets to go above that line. And that's what we do. That's 90% of the work we do at Lestrade is just pushing startups above that line.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, one of the, the great things about the videos that I see you shoot is that the human element and because two things about it. One is when, you know, particularly with startups, they're often trapped behind a social media profile or a website. You know, you don't get to see the human element mm. of it as much. So I uh, you know, I love the way you bring that forward, but the risk of that and where everyone gets nervous when it comes to video is, you know, but I don't want to look really crap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: But I want to look good while doing it. That's is it's because I look the secret about me is that I'm a big sentimentalist. I mean, and if you look at you've pulled it out perfectly, is that it's it's evident in pretty much all the startup videos that we've made for for anyone and everyone is they're all, in a way, they're a little almost formulaic is that I put a lot of the onus of the storytelling, onus of the character back on the founders because I like founders. I think founders are interesting. And here's a secret. I will interview founders all day long. You put me in a corporate shoot with some stuffy 50-year-old white dudes. I have a hard time pulling good content out of them. I did not have a hard time pulling good content out of founders because founders want to talk. They want to tell you about their journey. They want to tell you about their product. They want to tell you about their validation, their insights. Founders are usually excitable. And as long as you can keep that excitability up, as long as you can keep that interest up, the viewer will engage with that content. People will watch that and go, yeah, I, yeah, okay, like I get it. Yeah, I see what you're doing. You're excited, I'm excited. <laughs>
0: and I'm guessing that's part of the trick, right? So, I mean, there's a technical side of it and obviously you've got technical skills and that's a you know that's part of it. So you can technically shoot a good you know, good video, but getting that person relaxed behind the camera, getting them, you know, being real and talking about their passion almost, for, I don't know if that's the technique, getting them to forget about the camera, but I'm guessing that's the difference between what's technically good and what's actually an engaging video.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is, that's one of the areas where... I find you can really tell, so I work with, I've got a couple of guys that I work with a lot all the time. and They're all different skill levels and they all come from different backgrounds, but I'll talk. So Regent's like my 2IC, he's a Burmese refugee. I've been working with him now for a good couple of years trying to skill him up. And there's an exercise we do is I will take parts of my production process and just palm it off to Regent. We explain what we're doing. We sort of say, look, this is, you know, you've got to try and, get the performance out of the person, and you direct them, you talk to them, you stand next to the camera, you engage, you nod, you smile, you ask the questions. And it's something that he, when we first started, he really, really struggled with. But over the course of a couple dozen sort of interviews, he got much better at. And the beauty of that is that it's something that you can practice. And I'm I'm speaking here directly to you, the listener. This is actually something you can practice. You know, you can practice being yourself being natural, not giving a forced answer or not giving an answer that you think the person wants to hear because there's a time and a place for that. If you want to do that, do something simple, short, concise, that's just straight, bam, message. Easy. But if you're in like an interview situation, have some character. Relax a little bit. Smile, laugh, swear. I don't care. Everything's going to get edited anyway, but have some fun with it.
0: It's the fun that comes across. Yeah. And, you know, it's that gets back to that, I guess, you know, that adage that, you know, we buy from people, we don't sort of buy from brands. So, Mm. if you can get that personality across, you're more likely to engage and sort of go, oh, that person seems like, you know, there's some personality there. They care about what it is. I'm more likely to go in and and buy with my ape brain as I learned about on last week's podcast. (laughs) You know, and it's it's, it's, it's heart and, and front of the brain. You know, we're not often rational about these things. So yeah, bringing those people forward makes a lot of sense. So you know, that's obviously one of the big things is you know bring the human aspect, bring the passion forward in the video. Are there other objectives that you try to achieve with these videos with startups other than the, the human side of it, or is it really just sort of centered around that one aspect?
1: No. So I will, I will always make people look good. That's 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 the <laughs> that other must
0: one. that must win you so much business. It's like yeah, we can do all that, and I'll make you look good.
1: Yeah, and I will make you sound smart. And it's part of it. So, if I wanted to, I could ruin most of the businesses (laughs) in the startup ecosystem in Brisbane by just releasing blooper reels. But I never would, right? That's not a veiled threat. My birthday is not coming up soon, so don't start sending me whiskey. But it's that's it's just one of those things. If you if you had a nefarious intent and you're behind the camera, God, you could do some damage. You really could. But if you're out to be pro-social, if you're a builder, if you're a supporter. Then you look at it and you go, look, I'm going to give you a couple cracks. I'm going to work with you to get your answer, to get your wording, to get you relaxed, to get you to deliver something. Because at the end of the day, if we go into the technical side of things for a second, I don't want to shoot half an hour of video for something that's going to be on screen for 15, 20 seconds. I don't have the storage capacity for it. Archiving, that would be a nightmare. God, I want to try and keep my shooting ratios as tight as possible. So a lot of the time, I'll shoot like a two-minute interview with someone, four questions across two minutes, and I might use maybe 30 to 45 seconds of that in a mix with a bunch of other videos. Or if I'm going to cut you by yourself, it's going to be a little 60-seconder. So I'm cutting that down in half to just take the half of the best
0: bits. Actually, that actually doesn't sound as bad as I thought it would be. If I was going to ask you that, and I thought you'd say something like, oh, I shoot for half an hour for 30 seconds worth of usable footage. It's actually better than that, no, right? No,
1: no, no, no. So, no, it's, yeah. So shooting ratio, this, and this is a this is key. So, again, listener, directly to you. If you want to get practice at this, one of the biggest mistakes people make, especially early on, is they will shoot way too much stuff. You never want to have a project be unmanageable when you go to edit, because in the edit is where you're going to create context, it's where you're going to create visual, it's where you're going to create a story. But if you've just got a mass of stuff, it becomes incredibly hard to try and sort through, to glimmer the best bits, to find the best takes. Like you just, you don't need it. Something can be 80% good and be once, and that's infinitely better and easier to manage than having three different options that are like 95 98 and 99 percent good
0: yeah so that ratio has kind of caught me a little bit off guard because in my head i thought it was one way but then i'm now i'm wondering but is the is a lot of the work then afterwards like the post-production so if you're if you're breaking up a project and kind of going okay where do i spend my time you know Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, might. Do you want me to do a run through? I think it's important one because I think it adds value to what you do, assuming that you actually spend quite a bit of time on the editing. But I think it helps set the context for people about where the value is.
1: Yeah. Okay. So let's well let's 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 do let's let's do a role play. <laughs> let's let's go through. Reach out on Twitter like hi Hugh blah blah blah. Can you help us create a video? And I have said yes, I can. Right. So, Jay, you're going to play customer. I'm going to play the handsome Hugh Whitehouse because I'm good at that role. The first thing we do is we get together, jump on the phone, we have pre-production. We have a, a couple of phone calls, catch up, what are you trying to do? What if any is your budget? Who is your audience for this? And audience is an integral part because your audience could be something very limited, like it could just be all we want to do is demonstrate how our product works, or it could be sales, so our audience is everyone. or Sometimes, and here's a secret, I've made videos for startups where the audience is like literally a handful of people. The audience is like, it's, they're going to do an investor newsletter and they want to send something out that shows them all nice and polished so that their investors are like, okay, yeah, they're doing a thing. But so we'll do pre-production first. We'll have a chat. We'll scope it out. We'll figure it out. Next thing is we're shooting. So I like, as I said, I like to shoot fast. I come from a a journalism background. So I like to shoot fast and keep my ratios low so I don't have to manage too much stuff. We'll shoot some interviews probably because talking heads work and it's the easiest way to communicate a large amount of data. We'll shoot some B-roll in and around the office and that's visual storytelling. That's demonstrating how stuff is, showing you doing the thing you say you do or showing your product or service doing the thing that you say it does. We might grab some graphics and put some graphics together. And then we sort of bring everything in to editing. And editing is where this is where the difference between you doing it yourself with your iPhone and me doing it professionally differ drastically. Because from that pre-production and production stage, you could do that with an iPhone. It's simple to get technical. That's just a, it's going to be a Rec. 709 image, which is a predefined color space. That's all easy. You can just push that out. What I've done when I've shot it is I've shot it in probably a 12-bit color space in a log profile, so it's very flat. So the first thing I do when looking at footage is I bring it in and I color grade it. I bring out colors. I make it look beautiful. I convert it from raw into a workable, editable format. And then I go into editing, arrange everything, start putting pieces together. I'll normally have five or six working sequences, stuff where it's like just the interviews on one sequence so I can cut out the best bits. Just the B roll on another one so I can sort of see where my story can visually progress from A to B to C. I start pairing up the B roll to the talky bits, you put them together, you start building your little chunks. It's like Lego in a way. You know, you start building your little blocks until you've got a completed product, then Polish it off, throw your music under it, do your graphics front and tail, export it out, have a look, check it on a bunch of different devices. That's something people forget to do a lot of the time. Have a look at it on your iPhone, have a look at it on the telly, have a look at it because your computer is not a true representation of color space that everyone else is going to see, unless you've got a calibrated monitor like <laughs> yours truly. But yeah, that, and then that's it. Deliver it and then wait for feedback. And the feedback's always like, oh yeah, this is great, or nothing. And that's the worst. You deliver something and then silence.
0: Yeah. I think that happens with all, all professions is that fear. of? Oh. Can, can you, do you collaborate? So like, you know, if I'm doing a strategy piece, like, you know, what I hate doing is going away and coming back after spending 40 hours on something and going, here it is. And they go, yeah, it's not really what I was thinking. Do you collaborate? Mm. Or are you are sort of artistically precious <laughs> and go, no, no, I know what's
1: right. No. So a lot of this, collaboration in in post-production, collaboration really comes down to time, it comes down to client, it comes down to project. That's the the sort of three differentiating factors. So if we're really pushed for time, and if you're talking about something that I don't have any knowledge or prior experience with, like not even a little bit, the first thing I will do is if we've shot a bunch of interviews, I'll make proxies, which are like low-res versions of those interviews. And I'll throw them up online somewhere for you. And I'll say, have a look at this and tell me which of the bits you want me to use so that I can figure out. Because otherwise, I'm going to sit there going like, oh, yeah, this sounds nice. And yeah, this is said confidently. But I don't know if the content is actually right in that instance. So one of the ways that we collaborate, and it's, it's, it's funny because I, I, I talked to a lot of mates who were sort of in the production space as well. And not many people do this, which is the, you know, the sharing of proxies. It's something that you get, you know, like when you used to watch movies, they're like, oh, have you seen the dailies? The dailies are essentially a proxy of old film stock that used to be produced every day, you know, the stuff that we shot of that day so that people could review it. It's the same logic. We're just repurposing it, but for interviews and for context so that people can decide what they want and don't want in their videos.
0: Right. And I guess for most people, most clients, and people like me, I, I'm talking about myself here. It's, I often don't know what I want mm-hmm. until it's kind of fully arrived. But what I'm really yeah. good at is going, oh, I don't like that. I don't really like that. And I'm like, I've got, I've got nothing yeah. to give you in terms yeah, of. Yeah. So what, what do I do? Like, give, give me, what is the best? So for someone like me who is artistically challenged, what's the best thing I can do mm-hmm. to give you a fighting chance of producing something I'm going to be happy with?
1: All right. So the easiest, the easiest win in that is if you see some stuff that you like, and you know why you like it. So maybe you've seen like it's a, a NICAD and it's a woman running in slow motion. It's the new. It's like the Manhattan skyline. There's. It's all very amber and golden colored and there's lots of light everywhere. And you're like, I really like that visually. But in terms of messaging, I really like what this person says. And it might be like a podcast or it might be something. If you can provide examples of what you like and what you don't like, during pre-production that makes stuff so much easier right right so much easier because it means that we've got a common place that we can start from we i can look at that and i can say yes i know exactly how to make that and then i can start thinking about the message or thinking about what you're doing and say well this will work if you funnel it in like this we can do that otherwise you know or i can just say look you don't have the budget (laughs) to do what you want to do which is another common one. So we did a couple of months ago. We did Kerry Hess, who's an Australian artist and illustrator based here in Brisbane. Fantastic, fantastic client for us. We built an entire. She's just done an online training course. It's about four and a half hours worth of finished content. So it was a big job, and we spent a long time before we shot. So to give you an idea, we shot. For about four days, it's three cameras rolling across those four days. We produced just terabytes worth of data. But we spent a long time before we shot figuring out what the colors would look like, how the framing would be, sort of just dry running a lot of it. Because when we were shooting, Carrie is the star. She's performing. She's in front of the camera. You know, we can set up little mini monitors around the place so that she can sort of check stuff. But she has to implicitly put her trust in us to deliver what she's doing. And hers is a big brand. Like it's, a- and it's
0: artistic too. So, I mean, it's even more important that you get that right.
1: Yeah. So, it's, yeah, it's, you know, if in corporate, you can, you can drop back into a couple of just, you know, easy, easy, quick wins. You know, you, you sort of desaturate a little bit, make your shadows a little blue, make sure everything's nice and crisp focus. And I've never had a corporate client who doesn't like that look. Everyone's like, yeah, that looks clean. It looks professional. But Kerry has such a unique look in her artwork that she wanted to try and replicate it across in her actual visuals of the video. And for, we, As I said, we spent a long time. We refined it right at the start. And when we cut it and delivered everything together, she was just like, this is perfect. It's exactly it. And that was a huge relief. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was going to say, so there's an interesting extreme here, right? So you've got on one hand, the person who comes in and they're a terrible setup client where they go, I don't know what I want. I just need a video. I just got to get it done. You're like, okay, give me something. Mm -hmm. You've got the middle ground, which is in my head now an ideal customer or client. And then you've got the other extreme, which is someone who knows exactly what they want, but they are so picky that you're actually going to have to work damn hard to get it right.
1: And you've got to be able to satisfy all different
0: types. Like that, that's the thing. You
1: never know what your customer or what your client is going to need, want, or desire. But here's the thing. As long as you can help them need, want, or desire something that you can produce, you're okay. The, absolute, the flip side of this coin, the absolute worst is when someone gives you no input or no feedback and just turns you loose. And so you will do time. You will... Commit resources and you produce something and you go, here you go. And they go,
0: mm, no. Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a fundamental change that you can't just. You can't yeah,
1: just- this, is, this bit isn't quite right. Can you ask them a different question? You're like, no, I flew to Sydney for that interview. I can't just fly back tomorrow. If you wanted a different question, you should have briefed a different question.
0: Yeah. I can, I can, yeah, they're frustra- I think it's true in all I, it's look, the parallels are true in a lot of different industries and a lot of different professions. They're just different ways of dealing with it. And I always, that's why, you know, for me and what I do, whenever I know I'm going to have something that I can't change, it's like, are you sure this is what you want to do? But mm. I can imagine in your profession, it's like, yeah, I can't just add something in if it's not there. I can't do much about yeah. it.
1: <laughs> if we, yeah, you can, you can cut back. Mm. All right, and this is it's, it's, it's something that I find myself. I don't find myself saying it as often anymore. But I used to. I'm always like, you know, you can cut back, but we can't add as easy, <laughs> like a hairdresser.
0: I can take more off later, but I can't put it back. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, we can just we can, we can just keep trimming it down until you've got a nice <laughs> clean one all over. That's fine, and it's still technically a haircut. I'm sorry if that's not what you wanted for prom. Uh, Off you go. Have fun.
0: (laughs) So look, I'm so we're we're talking. You know, startups or a lot of your customers, a lot of work that I've seen anyway. Startups and founders, and you know, startup companies are based around disruption and innovation. Mm -hmm. Which means, on the flip side, there are people who are being disrupted and innovated against. And Mm -hmm. look, for me, something that strikes me is the rise of smartphones, technology, computers, mm. processing, Canva, whatever these editing software things that are out there, the, I would assume there's a level of people sort of saying, well, I could do that or I've got a camera. Can I just do this or what can I do? How is What kind of disruption are you seeing in what you do and how are you, I guess, rising above that to demonstrate that, yeah, okay, you can shoot in 4K through an iPhone, but there's also X, Y, and Z?
1: Oh, no, my advice, you can shoot in 4K in an iPhone, do it. I'm not arrogant enough to think that what I produce for a client should be the only media. I think you should have all the media. A good client will have a mix of stuff they're producing themselves. And you're right, the tools and the barrier for entry is so much lower. On the flip side, the cameras you can buy now, even just a simple DSLR that's about a sub-thousand dollar camera, is perfect. Absolutely perfect. I used to shoot on three CCD or single CCD camcorders on tape. Yep. Right? That's how we. <laughs> that's, that's what we used to create on. God, I remember we, when I was in, what, high school? We used to digitize Hi8 tape in through a makeshift array of RCA ports so that we could pull video in a film strip format, which is a format not even kept anymore, so that we could paint lightsabers over broom handles and make Jedi videos.
0: Right, you're not. You're not secretly that.
1: Who was that? The guy, the The the, guy, the the, the Jedi kid in the garage. No, no, no. I was much fatter as a kid.
0: What was that? I remember that being. I I forget what it was, but it was like one of those. It's we're you know we're showing our internet sort of mean age here. (laughs) That kind of dates a little bit. So probably about ten percent of people listening will remember that guy. Yeah, that kid.
1: Oh, he was on Arrested Development. They used to clip of him in Arrested Development. I think he got a second life.
0: Yeah, he did all right. (laughs)
1: Yeah. But no, but that's the thing. So the the barrier for entry is so low now and you've got so much educational material. So once you have an idea of essentially like, it doesn't matter what editor you jump into. A lot of people these days, people who I'm not going to say hobbyist, hobbyist is not the right one, but people who produce video for themselves, they're always like, oh yeah, I use Adobe Premiere because it's great. I'm like, you know, Adobe, you think Adobe Premiere is great because of marketing. It's not actually that good a tool. I hate Adobe Premiere. When I have to sit down and use it, I cry sometimes. I actually cry. Normally, right in the mornings, I'm crying because I know that across the course of the day, I might get a couple of good sessions where it's not going to crash. And then for the rest of the day, all it does is crash. And my schedule for the day is blown out because the software that everyone loves can't actually do what a software in 2019 should do.
0: I've developed a small appreciation for that. And I say this only because I find when you're talking to people and the rise of video and video and marketing is so important. I I realized when I was doing some work with a client recently that I didn't really appreciate what could and couldn't be done. And I said, oh, I'll just get a green screen. I'll do that. And, you know, and we started talking and I didn't understand it. So I went, I'm going to try to work it out myself. And so, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty handy. I'll, you know, start early and I'll see what I can do. And I, you know, found the free software that would give me a start. And I found DaVinci. That'll do a nice chroma key. Yeah. yeah. DaVinci Resolve. So, I started oh. playing and, I, you know, I did the okay. YouTube videos in one screen. I'm playing back and forth. And then yeah. and then I discovered just how important a good processor, a good computer, good RAM, good yeah. GPU is because I go to render 30 seconds and it's like, oh, I can go yeah. for dinner now.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, the other part is, so the flip side of this, right? So we're talking Adobe Premiere, not the greatest, but really widely used. DaVinci Resolve used to be studio only accessible. Like you, you couldn't run Resolve without an entire designated, almost like four or five RU array of hardware attached to it. But now they give Resolve away for free because the computational power required to actually run the GUI and and do a lot of the stuff is much lower. And Resolve, i got to say, Resolve is my favorite editor the moment at least i love it uh, however oh, I,
0: feel, I feel like i might have got something right <laughs> yeah that's a that's a
1: that's a hard jumping in point that's like going into a cooking class and then being like right now we're making duck a la ronge and croquembouche and you're like what hang on i thought we're just <laughs> going to make pancakes like resolve is that's a hard learn and i think if i if i was if i was someone who wanted to do video but didn't necessarily have the skill or wanted to jump into something easy i'd look at stuff like Clipchamp. I'd look at a lot of the newer services that are available where they're doing things like the editor and user interface is really simple, it's really web-based, and it's been refined for that new generation of people who are just like, look, I don't need 40 video and audio layers, I don't need to see all my mixes, all I want to do is play Lego and say this piece there, that piece there, this piece there, that piece there, and keep it simple. because. With video, you can spend so much time refining and redesigning and producing, but what's your output? If I spend, you look at the YouTube kids, if I was to spend three or four days making something and then release it, whereas someone else is making and releasing two things a day, who's going to have more success?
0: Yeah, that, that last 10% of quality to jump through often takes, you know, 10 times longer to get to. So, you sort of go, well, what, does. what point- It does, as
1: we were saying, there's that, there's that line in the sand. There's that delineation point. Is something, I mean, I, I use a very binary qualifier now. I just say, you know, is it satisfactory or unsatisfactory? I just go, yeah, that's satisfactory. You know, that result is satisfactory. And people come to me like, oh, can you criticize? Like, what, what have I done with this? Or can you have a look at this video for me? And I'm like, you know, you're close. But you need to put some more titles here, explain this, or, you know, you need to soften out this audio and, you know, I'll show them and tell them the tools that'll do it for them to help them along the way. Just because you want to get stuff to that satisfactory level. We consume so much visual media now across so many formats that that satisfactory bar is not a hard one to aim for.
0: No, I I think people have accepted it now.
1: Yeah. If you can hit that, you're pretty much golden. You don't need to make avatar or anything else. You don't need to go super high budget until you need to. That's a very clear point of difference. There are times where yeah, you need like professionally produced material. And that's going to come from how big is the company, who is the audience for the video?
0: What's what's the lifetime of the video too? Like if this oh, is something you like yeah. drop on social media, you post yep. it and it dies. Yep. Then all of a sudden, Hugh becomes the most expensive anchor you've ever, yeah, you've ever paid they, for.
1: As a guy who works mainly in video, I spend a lot of time convincing people they don't actually need video. <laughs> a big one. So this is something that I do a lot of and have had great success with is just photo streaming. What's a photo stream, you ask? So I go to an event. I take a DSLR that has a Wi-Fi enabled capability so I can just instantly transfer the images to my phone. And throughout the course of the event, I take pictures and then I write little social captions. I throw the pictures up and I'll do it for like something like a startup weekend, something like that. We'll actually produce all this content across. And you go, okay, so that's one avenue of creating a, a visual media story from the event. What's the other one? Making a video. Well, if I'd shot everything, taken it home, maybe my kid gets sick and I can't do it for two or three days. Or maybe it's it's low priority, so it gets bumped to the weekend instead. Then by the time that comes out like a week later, it's a two-minute video and people are like, oh, yeah, well, right. It doesn't have the impact. So, I mean, photos are just videos at less frames per second. (laughs) (laughs) A lot less, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm 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 a big fan. If you're doing visual storytelling, don't just think video. Like, think photo. And photo is one of those things that you can really easily do yourself. You can easily take a lot of good photos. And if you've never seen like an example of one of my photo streams, just a startup weekend for women is coming up in a little bit. I'll be doing it there or, I mean, you could probably jump on. You could stalk back through Twitter. I did the same thing for IncoDocs. They had an event the other night and they said, look, should we film it? And I said, don't film it. Just, I'll come. We'll just take some photos. And then you make all the photos available to everyone there. These are all industry guys, you know. That's mm-hmm. their their stakeholders. all industry guys. And we made all the photos freely available. And a lot of those industry guys then shared all those photos on LinkedIn extend the reach
0: right yeah i watched someone do something similar and they they went on they loaded them all into (laughs) facebook they were up within the same night and then diligently went through like tagging people that they knew and then those people repost them that's right so it's all about yeah because we live in an immediate world right we expect stuff to be real time so you know oh so this is my current experience is if you go to so i'm I'm old enough to when i went to a wedding we had uh, wind-on cameras. So my wedding had wind-on cameras and everyone yep. threw them in a bag and we mm-hmm. took them down to Kmart. And we developed the photos and got like five good ones. These days, everyone's got their phones, and but you'll get the bride and groom saying, don't post to social media. We're going to wait for our good photos. And I'm like, "Ah, oh. Yeah,
1: they, they, they can get fucked. Basically, <laughs> that- I here's I get the flip side. I get weddings now where people are like, you know, we'll get invited to a wedding and I'm like, Oh, okay, sweet, we got a nice weekend, my wife and I can go away, we can have a good time, we can relax, have a couple of drinks, see some friends, and then the day before the wedding, they're like, Oh, we only booked the photographer up until the ceremony completes. Can you take photos for us afterwards?
0: <laughs> uh, so photography's like the equivalent of having a ute when someone's looking to move and it's it is like, it
1: is hey, Hugh, can photography, photography around here? is the visual ute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's yeah. a
0: tweet in that. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm looking at it and going, because what everyone wants to do is enjoy the moment. We want that instantaneous mm. moment of going, yeah, sure, you can, you can post-produce some greater photos later and hang them up on your wall, but actually do that photo stream, make it live, tag people at an event, get mm-hmm. some actual mileage out of what's happening.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Especially, look, especially if, if you've got limited spend, right? Also, it means it, it makes the ask a lot easier. So, people, a lot of us, we, we, we do a lot of live streaming work, Office Chief Entrepreneur, iLab the other night. Like we do a lot of live streaming, but live streaming is one of those hard ones because live streaming costs money. Hmm. You know, it means I have to, we have to hire in a couple of different operators. There's a lot of stuff we have to test beforehand. Live stream actually has a cost to it. But people ask me all the time, oh, can you live stream this event for us? And I'm like, for free. And they're like, yeah. you know, And I'm like, well, you know, some, and this is because I'm a big softie, some I'll actually say yes to, especially if I've done work for them in the past. I may say yes but I'll reduce it. So like I'll operate three cameras by myself and give myself an aneurysm while I'm also live <laughs> editing the stream or I'll do cause I'll, dangerously sometimes. But you know, you have to sort of, but if someone says, can you come along and just take photos for us and do like a photo stream? That's a much lower bar for me to accept and be like, you know what? I, I can. Yeah. Or I can be like, you know, if you cover the cost of parking, done. It might be an event that I wanted to go to. I'm happy to listen to an event and take photos at the same time. That's a good way to be.
0: Get a free ticket, and also you can pretty much get anywhere. I discovered, and I'm assuming you can you can confirm this. But when I, you know, I got a SLR digital camera probably, you know, just before people really had smartphones. And whenever I went mm-hmm. to a baptism or a wedding or any kind of event, people would usher me to the front because I had, so what I discovered was if I put on a large lens, like if I, you know, just a, yeah. like a 70 yep. or 200 mil lens, regardless mm-hmm. whether that's what I needed, everyone would move out of your way. And I got to take yeah. my pictures and like, I'll wait for Joe to take it. I wasn't, I'm not a great photographer, but the size yeah. of the lens, I, and I often wondered whether or not, you could just put a big lens on a camera and just walk into events and people just assume you were there for a reason
1: yeah you do you do jeans boots and a camera with it or even better yet just two cameras they don't even have to be current cameras (laughs) you could probably show up with one of those you know like the accordion style cameras from the 1910s 1920s you probably show up with one of those and they'd be like yep he's coming through he's he's crew
0: especially if you put a high-vis yellow vest on
1: oh and a clipboard done you're into anything? Yeah, <laughs> I could have gone to the royal wedding with that same setup. Yeah, it would have been great.
0: Oh, brilliant! So, okay, so we kind of diverge a little bit, and I don't unconscious of of time, but you know, so we're very much you know, it's not about the equipment. You know, the shoot is going to be more important. You know, we didn't even get in, but I guess you know, for me and my limited experience in these things, you know, the lighting, all the inputs, more important because the more you put into it, the better chance you've got of being able to produce something. So, yeah, yeah you know, well,
1: he, well, here, let's 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 cover that real quick. So, Hughes. Top five tips.
0: Good one. I wish I'd have asked for this. Hugh, can you give us five tips <laughs> that would be great for founders and what Hugh, they need to do? What's,
1: what's, what's your top five to- Okay. So, hey, audience, you're going to make some video by yourself. Here's Hugh's top five tips. First one is audio. If your video is shithouse, but your audio is crystal clear, people will still watch Or listen to your video because at the end of the day you can pull audio out of a video and turn it into a podcast turn it into a something pop it on sound you can get a second asset out of it by utilizing the audio so audio foundation tip number two is lighting if you're shooting in natural light and you look at it and you're like oh this room has really good natural light here's a secret lighting changes Across the course of the shoot, you're going to sit there and you'll see the shadows will change, the lighting will bloom up and down. It's not going to quite be right. So you can buy LED lights now for sub $100. They run off like, you can run them off AAA batteries, you can run them off NFP batteries, you can run them off whatever. Buy yourself some simple, like even if just one simple little handheld, hand-sized, the Aperture Amaran F7, that's a really good one for you, you can Google that hand-sized LED just to light up your face so your face will be in continuous lighting. You see it with beauty vloggers. They use the ring light all the time in front of the camera. Same deal, continuous lighting on the face. That's tip number two. Tip number three is if you can shoot 4K, shoot 4K. And you say, well, Hugh, that's going to make my video files larger. Yes, it is. But here's an absolute golden rule. And this is where I'm going to diverge a little bit. So I might come back to four and five in a second. There's a thing that we call colloquially around the Lestrade office, the White House method. And the White House method was devised by yours truly, hence the name. And it's out of the frustration of shooting corporate interviews where you can't get someone to say the same thing twice. And so what we decided is that we needed a way that we could shoot once and that would be it. And so we came up with this, the White House method. So you shoot in 4K. You're going to render your video out or master or edit in only 1080p. So your video frame your video file is larger than the actual frame that you're going to put it into. So what you do for the White House method is you take a 4K file and you scale it down in your editor to like 50%. That'll fill the 1080p frame. And then whenever there's an um or an R uh or at the end of a sentence, you cut and you go straight back into the exact same piece of footage, but you scale it up now to either 80, 90 or 100%. What you're essentially doing is faking a wide shot and a close-up. And visually... Because we know a lot of film language, you know, instinctively. The viewer expects it. They don't jar when they see that. They look at it and they're like, oh, okay, so there's, there's a cut to a close-up camera. There's no close-up camera. It's just you with 4K footage. It's the simplest and easiest win you can have.
0: I think you've ruined the magic of like, no. people's well, videos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what, I've, what I've ruined now is <laughs> anytime you see one of my videos where I'm stuck doing <laughs> interviews with a one-camera shoot, you would be like, oh, yeah, it's the White House method. That's what he was talking about. You go back and look at pretty much anything I've ever made for at least the past five years where I've had one camera interview shoots and I'm doing exactly that. I use it, you should use it too. All right, that was tip number three. Tip number four is graphics and animations are so much easier now. You can find websites that will do it. You can find plugins that will do it in pretty much most editors. There is no reason why any sort of title that comes on screen should ever just be a boring fade in, fade out. If you're going to do it, Use a titling tool. It's those little tiny polishes that you can add to the front and back middle that really make a difference in your video. And number five is check your work. Once you've exported stuff out, have a look at it. A lot of programs now will have presets for Vimeo, for YouTube, for Twitter, for et cetera, et cetera. But check your work. Do a little test run, do a tweet, do a private video, whatever, and just have a look at it. Check how it looks on YouTube because as we talked about, 40-odd minutes ago, sometimes your screen and what you're looking at is not the same as what anyone else is ever going to look at. So just check and make sure that, yeah, you look fine, or can I lighten this up, or can I punch this up a little bit, or add a bit more contrast, but just have a check. And final one, here's your bonus tip, captions. Captions are so easy now. You can go to rev.com, and for like a dollar a minute, you can create captions. I use it, you should use it, the networks in the US use it. I got friends who work for Rev.com here as freelancers, and they love, they see my videos and they're like, oh, Hugh, I did one of your videos. I'm like, good, I gave you a one star rating. <laughs> no, I give five stars, I'm very generous. But yeah, captions, because you can put stuff on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's a great marketplace for video as long as it has captions. Same as Twitter yeah. Twitter's a great marketplace for video as long as it has captions. Not everyone has perfect hearing, not everyone is going to sit there and listen to it. Captions make a difference. They're my five plus one tips.
0: Fantastic. And, I, and I, um, I'm all totally in on captions too, because particularly if you're using LinkedIn, you know, people, you don't have the sound up, you know, you're often looking at LinkedIn on a work desktop. No, you can't really they're, turn they're the sound all, up. And so. and it,
1: they play muted. They, they auto play muted until you unmute. So no captions, captions, hundred percent.
0: Yeah. And there's it, two options too. There's, you know, putting up, what is, what's the file called? The SRT or something? SRT is your subtitle SRT. file. Yeah. yeah. Or you can burn them into the video itself, which yep. sometimes works better on some platforms that aren't overly user-friendly. Mm-hmm. So great. Look, so if someone's got to this stage of the podcast and they've enjoyed everything and they're going, oh no, Joe, it's wrapping up. That's going to be the end of you. And they want to keep following you and hearing and seeing and reading your wisdom. What are the, the social channels of choice to find you? And what are they going to find when they get there?
1: Oh, mainly dick pics. Uh, <laughs> just photos, Look, Twitter, of, Twitter, photo, photos of Richard Nixon's family. People. Come on. That's, yeah. <laughs> Look, Twitter is, Twitter is the social media that I am most active, and by most active it means I'm normally bitching about my toddler on. LinkedIn, you'll see me post, normally case studies, or you know, things that we've done, examples of content. Hughwhitehouse.com.au is my website, although I'm probably going to redo that if and when I ever get some time, because I have a lot of stuff, a lot of half-written writings that will get turned into various things. There's also YouTube. WeChat, TikTok, you name it, you'll find me somewhere. But no, Twitter is where I would. Twitter is where I normally engage. You want to like hang out and be like, hey, Hugh, what's going on? That's where I'll be.
0: I got to say, that's where I, if I need to, if I'm trying to find you and say, hey, I've got someone who's interested, I kind of just start with Twitter. I find that's the easiest way.
1: I don't, I don't even do business cards anymore. I tell people, I'm just like, yeah, jump on Twitter and follow me. And then occasionally, I'll post a tweet and be like, "Oh, I just had so and so from something follow me about a job." And now the first tweet is like, "I took a really good poo today." Oh,
0: yeah, you definitely live live life and business on the same communication channel, which is a uh, it's a scary line to walk. You know, you you know, if I was if if I was giving you professional advice, it'd be like. Let's separate those two channels and have different communications. Yeah. But as somebody who follows it, you know, as a father who follows your tweets on one hand and also the startup community, it works great for me. Yeah, so maybe it's you've it's absolutely that radical it. candor that everyone's
1: always talking about.
0: Oh, classic Peter Laurie radical candor mm-hmm. thing. He loves he's got me onto that and I'm I'm trying really hard to introduce it. I just get really scared that I'm going to offend people. So Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant! Look, Hugh, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I've enjoyed the chat. It's been hilarious, and I'll remember that. We'll have to mark this one as a, an expletive episode when I upload it, so Apple don't get upset with me.
1: Yeah, sorry about that.
0: No, all good. Thanks so much.
1: No worries. Thanks very much.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that will really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review. Those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me, of course, is on LinkedIn, following me on social media, or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.